Thank you so much, Father God, that you do love us, that you are good to us, and that you have blessed us with every blessing in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us to focus in on you, to love you, to set our hearts on you, and to desire you more than anything else in this world. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be more and more precious to us. Lord, that our perspective would be changed so that you are all that matters. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak this into my life, into my heart, and into our hearts, and into our lives. Bless us today, I pray, with more of a knowledge of you, and more of an experience of you. Father, would you act in this place by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Colossians chapter 3. Uh, and thank you for reading uh, Galatians a bit earlier, Mark, because that actually lines up really well with, <clears throat> with where we're coming to in Colossians 3. Um, we're going to read the first 17 verses just to give a bit of context. <clears throat> and then next week we'll go back and we'll start at Colossians chapter 1 again. Colossians chapter 3, Paul writes and says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ... Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires, Don't be greedy, because a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, get rid of rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord also forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Did you uh, hear about that note that they put on a car in Queensland in the last week or so? Let me bring it up. Can you throw that up there for us? Um, Person crashed into a car. As you do, you you write a note. Person wrote this. I'm writing this note because I hit your car. 
You have an Aboriginal sticker on your car, so the government probs paid for it out of my taxes. Happy Australia Day. I'm not sorry as well, 2019 One Nation. Uh, I'm not a fan of Pauline Hanson, but give her credit, she did come out and say, this is not what I stand for. But how horrible a note is that? Not only do you come back to your car and find that your car has got a big dent in it, but you find a note of somebody saying, you know what, you're actually not as important as I am, you're actually rather worthless, and so I don't really care that you lose out. It seems that one of the key ways that we identify ourselves in this world is by who we belittle. You know, remember back, for some of us it's going to be harder than for others, but remember back to when you were in school. Just about every school you will find there is an in crowd and an out crowd. You can maybe even think back and say, ah yes, the in crowd always used to hang out in that spot. Maybe some of you sitting here were part of the in group. You were the cool kids in school. Maybe some of you here were part of the group that sort of hung around the edges of the in crowd. Maybe some of you here were the ones that if you tried to go near the in crowd, they would let you know in no uncertain terms that you were not welcome. It's not just at schools though, is it? I mean, in Australia we've got this, this tall poppy syndrome where if, if you just stick your head up a little bit too high above everyone else, we'll figure out a way to, to knock it down a little bit, bring you down to size. Because you're, not, you're no better than I am. We can so easily bring out small, maybe even without thinking about it, unconscious um, statements that just, you know, just pull people down a peg or two. And I'm sure some of you can sit there and go, actually, you know, I, I've known when somebody has been trying to pull me down a peg or two. Sometimes they do it on purpose. Ooh. I remember... Um, watching someone look at someone else and you could and it just kind of they looked them up and down and you just saw it in their whole attitude of well you're not worth much are you sometimes it's totally unconscious that we just we just say something that puts someone down um, we don't even realize we're doing it we do it as as individuals we do it as societies i obviously come from south africa where we had apartheid where we decided this race is more valuable than that race. Um, America's got their own story. England's got their own story of that. Australia, we've got the white Australia policy. We've got the stolen generation. We've got the refugees. I, I think we love having people to look down on. Because if I can look down on you, I am obviously more important than you. Uh, Taryn's first prac when she was trying to be a teacher, she had a, she had a horrible teacher, one of her first pracs, who basically looked at her and said, you know what, immigrants are ruining Australia. Uh, multiculturalism doesn't work and everyone should just go back to where they come from because we're not made to work together. 
strange because she was Caucasian, so I don't know why she was thinking she could stay here. But we've got this kind of attitude. Or maybe we say, we assume that all refugees are criminals. Or like the note that all Aboriginal people are doll bludgers. You know, the brokenness of sin includes our being insecure, includes our being unsure of our own worth. But if I can at least recognize that I am of more worth than you, that's something, isn't it? I might say that, it might just come out in my attitudes or my little comments. And we've all been there. Whether it's back in our school days, I think we've all been there as adults as well, if you're an adult already. That time when you know someone is looking at you and saying, you don't fit here. You're not like us. It was not different in Paul's day. Jews and Greeks hated each other. They looked down on each other. If you didn't speak Greek, you were almost subhuman. I mean, barbarians. You can't even speak properly. What's wrong with you? There were slaves. They were free people. Different classes in society. What's that wonderful Jewish prayer Father God, thank you that you did not make me a Gentile or a woman. Then I'd have to do the catering for the barbecue. You know, by the way, Viv does great catering. You know what, this is, this is just the way it was. We find ways to put ourselves as better than others. It's the way it's always been since the fall. Our relationships are damaged. But, but this is not the way of God's kingdom. This is the way of broken humanity. God came and said, I am bringing you back to myself. I'm sending my son to make things right again. And that, that being right is, is everything being right, not just our relationship with God, but also our relationships with each other. All these barriers that we put up to divide ourselves and to say, you know, I'm better than you or I'm, I'm worth more than you or, or this is where I know that I have got some place in this world. God comes and says, actually, I'm doing away with all of those barriers. I'm making things right again. We are new people if we are Christians. We are God's people. We live a, a new life where, where, where God's will is what matters, where the old prejudices of this world don't fit in, where they just are out of place. In Jesus, people from all different backgrounds and ethnicities and genders and, and histories, all of them come together. What matters isn't our differences. What matters is Christ in us. That's what Paul says there in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. God chose you to be the holy people he loves. You must clothe yourselves. Uh, sorry, verse 11. I'll take up one bit. Uh, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us, 
Regardless, says Paul, of whether you're a Scythian, a barbarian, whether you're a slave, whether you're a free man, whether you're Greek, whether you're Jewish, whether you're Aboriginal, whether you're Australian, whether you're African, whether you're South American, I don't care who you are, says Paul, if you are a Christian, then you have Christ living in you. And that is a unifying factor that that goes beyond all of these divides that have separated us. What matters is that if we are Christian, Jesus lives in us. If you look around at the people around you who love Jesus, what we've got to realize is that we're not just seeing them. Brett is sitting there, but but that's more than Brett sitting there. Debbie's sitting there, but it's more than Debbie. John's sitting here, it's more than John. Sienna's sitting there, it's more than Sienna. You know, to ignore a fellow Christian because they're too old or because they're too young or because they're too stupid is to ignore Jesus. To put a Christian down, to make a snide comment, to make a sarcastic joke, we're not just doing it at the expense of that person, we're actually doing it at the expense of Christ who lives in them. It's so easy for us to forget that we are not just looking at people who aren't like us. We are looking at people whom Christ loves and whom, in whom Christ lives. Paul says in verse 12, God chose you to be the holy people he loves, his beloved holy people. We have been chosen by God to be holy. We have been chosen by God, set apart for God. You know what, there's only one division in this world that matters, and that is the division of whether we belong to Christ or not. I, I think that when we divide people in this world, when we say you are there, you are there, you're in, you're out, we're part of the cool crowd, you're not. We do that, as I've said a few times, in order to try and make ourselves more valuable. All that we can do is base our value on contrast. Neil's tall, tall people are stupid. I'm cleverer than Neil because I'm shorter than Neil. Therefore, Neil's not as important as I am. Do you hear how stupid it is? Our sinful divisions push people away to make us feel more valuable. See, the thing is that God is infinitely valuable. And God reaches out to bring the ones on the outside to the inside. Romans chapter 5, 8, if you can throw that for us there. While we were still sinners, God sent Christ to die for us. You see, there's this division, do we belong to Christ or do we not belong to Christ? But God doesn't put this divide in to decide who is valuable. God is infinitely valuable and so in his valuableness, he reaches out to us who have no value and pulls us in. Such a different kind of division. God's heart is for us to be his. God chose us in Christ. He loves us. He loves me even though I'm different from you. 
He loves us each despite our different histories. His love is the most important thing that there is. His love has made me his own. His love has made you his own. His love doesn't depend on our status or our heritage or our merit. His love is all about grace. It's undeserved kindness. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, uh, Peter quotes the Old Testament there. He says to us, God has been gracious and merciful to us. Once we were not a people, now we are his people. Once we had received no mercy, now he has shown us his mercy. We are God's new people. The old divisions don't have any place when we are together. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 speaks of letting go of our old uh, sinful ways of thinking and acting, and we'll come back to that eventually. But, but here from verse 11 onwards, Paul speaks about, about clothing ourselves with the character of Jesus. I like to think of it as Paul saying, you know what, you are a new people. You are a people where there are no divides. You are God's people, so dress appropriately for the occasion. Just uh, close your eyes, if you would. I want you to imagine something for me. You have got tickets to the only seven Michelin star restaurant in the world, fully paid for you. This is the classiest dining establishment ever. You've had to buy a $4,000 suit or dress just to get in. You walk in, you sit at the table, it is beautiful. The smell of the food is like nothing you've ever experienced before. And you hear the sound of the waiter walking up to you. And he's dressed in a duck onesie. You can open your eyes again. How inappropriate. He's not dressed for the occasion. I suspect he'd get fired. God's not going to fire us, but God is saying, guys, you are my holy people. I want you to dress appropriate for who you are. Live like God's chosen and loved people. Show each other tender-hearted mercy. Be compassionate towards each other. Um, tender-hearted mercy, I, I think, is, is seeing someone having a need and, and then acting on meeting that need. Not because they, they deserve it, just because you, you want to show compassion to them. God is full of compassion. He looked at us while we were still sinners and said, there's no way you can save yourself. God did, says Paul in Romans 8, what we couldn't do because of the weakness of our sinful natures. He sent his son to die for us. Paul goes on, he says, put on the clothing of kindness. You know, rather than teasing or being snide to each other, being nice to each other. Some of us, and I put my hand in here, have a habit of teasing without thinking about it. (laughs) Most people realize that it's a joke, but you know what? One of my things for this year and taking out of this service is to realize that I'm not sure snide teasing comments 
is what Jesus would say to me. So I want to try and not say that to you. I want to encourage you in that as well. Humility. Humility is not saying, uh, oh, I'm terrible, I'm terrible. Humility is having a right view of who we are and who you are and who God is and we're all in this together. Thinking of your needs before my own. You know, the beautiful saying of Paul in in Philippians chapter 2, we might throw that up there. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, speaking about Jesus' humility. Have the same attitude, says Paul there, that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. Gentleness. Not having to resort to violence or brute strength or cruelty. Because God's in control. Isaiah spoke about Jesus. Isaiah chapter 42. I want to read the whole of this, uh, verses 1 to 7. God says, Look at my servant whom I strengthen. He is my chosen one who pleases me. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Isn't that gentle? He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. That's not a gentleness that is weak. He will not falter. He will not lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth, everything in it. He gives breath to everyone, life to everyone who walks the earth. And it is he who says, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you. And I will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons, but you notice what the important thing is there. There, there, Isaiah says Jesus is going to be this gentle savior. Why? Because God is behind everything he does. And so Paul writes to us in Colossians and says, when you interact with each other, be gentle, because at the end of the day, it's not about your control, it's about God who is in control of everything. Patience. God's patient with us, isn't he? Making allowances and forgiving each other. Recognizing that we're not perfect. I'm not perfect, neither are you. If God can use me, if God has forgiven me, then let us forgive each other. You know what the wonderful thing is? If you look through that list, I'm just going to read them out. I want you to think through where you've seen this in the church because we see this in the church. Don't call out, just, just think to yourself. Tender-hearted mercy. I've seen people go out of their way to organize something for someone because it'll make their life easier. Kindness. Humility. Gentleness. Patience. Making allowance, forgiveness. You know, to sum it all up, says Paul in chapter 3, verse 14, 
above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Since we are God's holy, beloved people, we should put on love. You know, Peter wrote about this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And over there, Peter said, you know, love each other. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. God has chosen us and he's calling us to be who we are. He's calling us to be a people of his love. You know, when, when I see this sort of thing in the people in our church, it makes me happy. Can you imagine how God feels when he sees his people living like this? We don't see all occasions either, do we? God sees every single one of these times. God knows it all. God must be so pleased when he sees it. God also sees it when we are not acting true to who God has made us to be. Philip Yancey, uh, I came across this quote uh, while on holiday. Philip Yancey says, Yes, the church fails in its mission and makes serious blunders. Precisely because the church comprises human beings who will always fall short of the glory of God. That's the risk God took. Anyone who enters the church expecting perfection doesn't fully understand the nature of that risk or the nature of humanity. Just as every romantic eventually learns that marriage is the beginning, not the end of making love work, every Christian must learn that the church is also only a beginning. No, one day Jesus will return and he will make us new and we will be like him. And on that day we will not have to say to each other, know the Lord, because we will each know him. But even now we are his. We're in this world. Every day, every moment we have a daily choice to make how we are going to dress ourselves as the people of God. This year, I want, and I, I hope you want, to be more like Him. Towards each other, towards our family, towards, towards others. I want to be dressed appropriately for who I am in Christ, and I hope that you want that too. How do we do that though? We've had a lifetime of training towards pride and power. I spoke earlier about how I make little snide jokes, and I think part of that is just because, you know, that, that's how I grew up. Our world is ruled by, by slogans of pride and power. Uh, whether you agree with politics or not, make America great again is all about pride and power. Make Australia great again is all about divisions. We are great implies you are not great. Everything in our society is about taking care of number one. How do we dress appropriately? Says Paul, let Christ's 
peace rule in your hearts. The, the image that Paul's using there is actually the image from, from athletics. Uh, we, we can look at it more differently. Instead of let Christ's, peace, let Christ's peace rule in your hearts, Paul, we can say, is saying, let the peace of Christ be the umpire. Let Christ's peace be your umpire. Let his peace be the umpire in your own internal civil war, uh, in terms of your uh, sinful nature that, that has been killed and the new nature that God has given us. Let Christ's peace be the umpire in our relationships with each other. His peace that broke every dividing wall. His peace that has united us together in Christ. How do we let Christ's peace be the umpire? Verse 15, 16. Let the peace that Christ comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Be the umpire. For as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. It's linked, I think, to, to loving God. Worshipping God. See, being God's people is about more than just being nice to each other. You know, if I say to you, go home today and practice, uh, you know, humility and patience and kindness and gentleness, or add in all the others, self-control. It's not really going to change much, is it? Because all of that stuff is surface level stuff. I can be kind to you while hating you. How do I let Christ's peace be the umpire? By letting God's love be the deepest affection of my heart. When God's love is at the center of our hearts, his peace will rule. Are we different? Yes. We've got different accents. We've got different languages sometimes. We've got different styles of music that we appreciate. We've got different sports that we like. We've, we've got different everything, different histories, different pasts. And even if we've got stuff in common, what can compare with that which is God? And so Paul says, guys, be thankful to God for who he is and, and celebrate him. Worship him. Get excited about him. You know what? If all we're doing as a church is trying to be nice to each other, it's not going to last. But if we are excited about God, that kind of flows into being appropriately dressed. If you know that you've got a job in the world's first seven-star restaurant as a waiter and you're getting excited about it and you're keen for it and you just can't wait for that first day on the job, man, you're going to be ironing those clothes 14 times a day just to get it ready and you'll be telling all your mates on the other waiters and saying, isn't this amazing? Look at this, you know, pure silk, I don't know, cravats that we're wearing. Isn't this incredible? 
But if, if the job's just kind of, you don't care about it that much, or it's just, you know, forget about it, I'll get around to, yeah, I'll find the clothes later on, then you might turn up in a duck costume. You see, the thing about loving each other comes is that it comes from loving God first. It comes from letting go of our need to control things and just saying, God, you are beautiful. And, and it comes from saying, God, I want to make every decision in terms of what you want, in terms of what is peace. Peace is where things are right. And so when I'm talking to Brett and I have this really funny joke that might make him go a little bit, oh, I've got to think to myself and go, well, God, do you want Brett to go, oh, or shall I tell him something that lifts him up? When I see someone in need, do I go, oh, I'm busy? Like all those people in the story of the, the Good Samaritan who just walked past because they were busy for God. Or, or do I look at that and go, God, what would you do there? And then go and show tender-hearted mercy and kindness towards that person. God's greatest gift to us is our relationship with him. God's greatest gift to us is his love for us. And God wants us to practice thankfulness to him. God wants us to celebrate himself more. God wants us to discover the riches of his glory. You know what? The best church is one where everybody is sitting there going, Man, this is amazing! Have you heard what God has said? I want that. I, I, I want that because I think God wants that. Where we struggle to contain ourselves. We're very good at containing ourselves, aren't we? Hands up if you're good at containing yourself. No, you're not that good. <laughs> but we're good. It's our culture of, of making sure that we're okay. Because, you know, again, if we stick our hands up too high, some of us might get embarrassed or someone might look down on us. You know, if, wouldn't it be amazing if we just, this year, learned to love God so much that we didn't care? If our value came so much from God that we were able to just be gracious to each other in abundance. You know, it's easy to lose sight of God's love. I do that. I'm sure you do that. Which is why Paul says we need to do this together. We need to encourage each other. We need to point God out to each other. We need to show each other God's love. We are God's hands and feet to each other. We are his representatives. Everything we do, we do as Christ. I said earlier, whatever we say, whatever we do to each other, we're not just doing it to each other, we're doing it to Christ. But we are also Christ to others. May our wants be in line with God's wants. We have a slogan in the church. 
loving God, loving people. And the order is important then, and Paul's kind of reversed the order here in Colossians, but Paul has said, love people, and if you want to love people, love God. We say love God because unless you love God, you're not going to be able to love people. It all comes down to who God says we are. We are loved. We are forgiven. We are his representatives in all that we do. May we see more of him in each other. May we make the choice to dress ourselves appropriately as his people. May we live fully in who he says we really, really are. Amen.